Welcome back, folks. Episode two of the Kalanta cast. And what a privilege, what an honor to have uh, a very influential person that I've had the privilege of having multiple conversations with, um, executive director at Afterpay for a number of years, uh, chairman at FinClear currently, and of course, the husband to the lovely Fifi, Mr. David Hancock, how are you? Hi, Julia. Great to be with you and congratulations on getting this podcast up and running and listening to the first one. Really um, terrific stuff. Thanks so much, David. Uh, So obviously, uh, I've had the privilege of knowing you for a little while now. I went to school with your younger son, Finn, um, pretty top bloke as well. Um, But I guess for my audience, I know for you, you've, uh, you've definitely had a lot more life experience than me, so it's a much more difficult question for me to ask you. Um, but if, if there was a 30-second summary that you could possibly give the audience, how would it, I guess, go? Yeah, I think the most important thing is, is just, you know, I've been always really curious and for me, my, my career has really been driven about things that really interest me. And it might be a bit sort of cut and thrust in the way that I think about it, but I only want to do things that I really love. And, um, but sometimes I don't know whether I love things or not, so I've got to try them out. So being curious has always been the main driver. And even though I'm sort of a lot older than you and obviously significantly older than my kids, and other people that have worked with me at Afterpay or when I ran investment bank at JP Morgan, I've always had that curiosity to keep on learning. So I think the thing is that, especially now, you've got to expect that you're going to have multiple careers. Um, but the way that you get into things, sometimes you start down a rabbit hole and, um, you know, really amazing things can happen. And... That's something that you've, I guess, done very well working over at Tower Insurance, as you mentioned, JP Morgan, CBA. Uh, but I guess where I'd want to start with this podcast, as we kind of had a brief chat about before, is I guess I've only got my perspective and my questions. So uh, as mentioned, this podcast is aimed for the young battlers like myself. Okay. So uh, I'd like to maybe start back at uh, w- when you were coming out of university or entering university. And when you were at that age and at that stage in your life, did you kind of have the roadmap or a roadmap of what you were looking to do and what David Hancock would have accomplished by 2021? Yeah, listen, it's really interesting. I always knew that I wanted to lead. Um, I just didn't know what in, in which field. I mean, it's a question that I always ask people at interviews. Is your life a random walk or has it got a defined purpose? Now, um, most people that I actually talk to or interview, whether it be at Afterpay or whatever, um, had always, most people always say, oh, shit, I've never had that question before. Um, But it appears that most people just have a random walk. The people that are very successful, um, I think, have an understanding about where they want to get to. They don't necessarily know in what particular field, but they do know things like they want to work by themselves. They do know whether they want to own their own business. They do know whether they want to go and lead. Um, where they, How they do that is something that they learn over time. So I think that's the first point. So for me, I was always driven by that. The second thing is, I was always driven by the idea that I wanted my own choice. 
I didn't want to ever be completely under control other people about my own destiny. I always wanted to control my own destiny. So when I left um, school, um, it was really interesting that uh, I was saying to Julia, I've told him previously before, that I was going to, I really wanted to be an architect. I absolutely wanted to be an architect and I'd really thought through that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get into it. Um, but you know, I was lucky that I was given the opportunity to do something else at university. And you know what? It was something that I ended up loving. So I did Bachelor of Business. Um, I did marketing and economics. And I really sort of fell into it. And out of that, I was then lucky enough that when I left, I actually started a job at the Bank of Queensland and I beat about 600, 700 people to be the graduate, to get the graduate position in Queensland for the Bank of Queensland working for the CEO. You know what? I worked there for three weeks. I walked up to him and I said, listen, I've made a horrible mistake. I then left. I spoke to my parents. So after three and a half years of studying, knew that I didn't want to be that sort of banker, I then travelled. I travelled for a year and a half. I went overseas. I worked. I got lots of experience. I then came back and I was lucky enough to go and work at um, a really amazing investment bank stockbroker. And I worked there for 11 years and I ended up, uh, it, was, it became Citibank, um, which was the largest stockbroker in the country at the time. And I ended up going from this guy working in the back office to 11 years later becoming the head of the investment bank. Now, it was just a really interesting journey for me, but as I said previously, curiosity also just these opportunities. Gold. And just, just in that, there's a lot of lot to unpack. So I think naturally I'll go to the first point uh, where, where you mentioned that you always had that idea of leading. Uh, and that's always been the driving factor, uh, which is something very powerful in itself. But in the people that you interview, that have you found that they've also had that that beacon of, I guess, light or something that they've always wanted to strive towards or comparing them towards the people that are more on a random walk? Uh, how have you felt find them when they're yeah. Yeah, it's a great question, Julia. Um, listen, the reality is I'd probably say that the most people, as I said, are just in a random walk and they've actually never thought about um, where they want to get to. And I don't mean that in a physical sense or in a dollar sense, but they've just never thought about what they want out of their life, which is, you know, doing things that they love to do or, um, you know, just, just getting into roles or getting into careers that that can help them grow and develop as individuals. I think it's a little bit sad that most people then think leaving school or the university, it's a bit like being on the magic carpet at skiing or on a conveyor belt, which is you just get on it and life will just present itself as you go along this motorised path. Um, you know, the reality is that's, I think, how most people think, but you've really got to set back and I think and you've got to really think about who you want to be as a person, what are the values that you've got, 
and what are the drivers and most importantly, what are the things that you love? And I think if you connect with all of those things, you can have a really satisfying platform by which you can build off and grow, not just your career, but as an individual and as a person, as a member of the community as well. Wow. And you personally, you mentioned leadership was was that for you. Is that something that came to you naturally or how, how did you know from that young age or from that university age that leadership is your kind of your path and what you wanted to pursue? Um, I think I was quite fortunate that um, I don't think you have to be liked as a leader, but you have to be respected as a leader. And there were little signals along the way that, you know, I was made the class captain when I was 12 or 13. Um, you know, I was head of the, I was a captain in my rugby team. Um, you know, so I've always had this, there's always been something there about leadership. I must admit, when I first started leading people in, uh, you know, I was probably about 15 or 16. I was given an opportunity when I was working at the equivalent of the Easter show up in Brisbane, which is called the ECA, which is, you know, a Queensland sort of weird name for the exhibition, which is on in August. And I used to work in this ice cream company that used to, you know, we'd pick strawberries, put them on top of this ice cream cone, and there are about eight to ten people that work there. I was pretty young. My boss used to go over to the pub and drink quite a lot, and he'd leave me in charge of these people who were probably sometimes a little bit older than me. But I sort of learnt then what it was like, and it was really hard. Um, in business, um, for quite a long time, I was probably a really crappy boss. And the reason why is because it was all about me as opposed to working with people to help them achieve what they need to achieve. And I think the thing is that leadership is not a set and forget. It's something that you've really got to learn, study, work at. And I think it's like everything. You've really got to be prepared to get a lot of pretty honest feedback that you don't really want to hear, but you've got to set the platform by which you can hear and allow people to tell you the truth about what they think about your leadership style. And then most importantly, then just don't take it personally. And I think they're just lessons for life anyway, whether you become a leader or not. But um, leadership is just a, definitely an evolving thing. So to be clear, you know, I wanted to be a leader. I wasn't very good. I continue to try and work really hard to be a leader, even today, being a chairman of different companies and that. Um, so it's something that it evolves over time. I don't think anyone's a natural leader. Powerful. And uh, you mentioned uh, after university how you did get uh, that postgraduate role under um, the CEO of the bank at the time, um, over quite 600, 700 people. But I guess it takes a lot of courage to, after three weeks, say, look, and a lot of self-awareness to know that it's not for you and, and leave such a, I guess, highly touted and highly desired role. How, how did that, I guess, how did that courage come about to, no, look, this isn't for me and take that leap of faith into, um, you know, traveling and really finding yourself and finding what you love? Yeah, I think it's um, 
Listen, I was always fortunate that I've got a very, very strong parent to identify that, you know, at the end of the day, the choices that you make are your choices. You've got to live your life. You've got to work with other people around you, whether it's your girlfriend, your wife, your kids. But I think ultimately um, you've got to have the conviction to say, am I really doing something for myself or am I doing it for someone else? I clearly thought it was great that I got the role. That was awesome. But you know what? It just didn't, it just didn't float my boat and I knew that this was going to be the wrong path. So I just needed some time and I needed some time to work out what I wanted to do or what, more importantly, what I didn't want to do, right? So I think sometimes it's all right to say, okay, what do I want to do? But what are the things that I'm not going to do? So I'm not going to go and work or do something that fits against my values or is not interesting for me because I know ultimately I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a, someone that's very valuable at working. So I think you've got to trust yourself. You've really got a question. You've got to come seek advice um, and seek advice from a variety of different people, which I did. Um, and then at the end of the day, just put your best foot forward if you make those decisions, but don't waste it. Always make sure there's an alternative. Like I would never, ever have quit if I didn't have a plan. So if you think about, there's a really interesting person that you should listen to, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson's obviously yeah. really well-known, uh, probably to people who listen to things about the way that he thinks about things. Um, he'd always say, you know, just by quitting, you can't just stop. You've got to go think about the other things that you're going to do. So I didn't just stop. I had a plan. I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to go and experience things. I needed to go and do things. Um, so it wasn't like me stopping for the unknown. I stopped in order to grow. Wow. And um, I guess, was that, I guess, taking the, that couple of years off to go and travel, uh, I think, at least for me and my, like a lot of people my age, people kind of say, by, by the age of, 25 or whatever the age is, they need to have everything sorted out. Um, and for, for a lot of whatever reason, they, they uh, take, take life away from themselves. So when it does come to traveling Europe or um, taking some time off to spend with their girlfriend, they, they're, not a, they're not able to do that because it doesn't fit in their life plan. Um, but with your experience traveling in Europe and stuff, what was it that you were looking to learn? What was it that you're looking to develop? Yeah, well, I think the sense of self. Um, well, first off, just learning and meeting new cultures. I never travelled by myself. And then I met a whole lot of friends. I was lucky enough to had. Uh, I met my girlfriend over there. We travelled throughout Europe. Then we went. I really wanted to go across North Africa. I went through Tunisia, I went through Libya, I went back up to Europe. So I got to see a whole lot of different cultures. And at that time, you know, I was fascinated by the alternative cultures and society, such as up in Bulgaria and Albania were communists, communists, and it was just really interesting to be exposed to that. Um, so I wanted to get an understanding of that. 
um, thought that it would make me really a better person. And it was part of a life plan said to me, you know, travel and so um, I'm not too sure you know, Julia, but so all the way through, you know, I'd, I'd been the head of investment banking at Citibank. Um, we then left. I then took two years off to go skiing in Whistler with my wife. I became a, um, I did two years. I really wanted to be a ski instructor. Um, so I did two years to learn how to ski. Um, I was a skier before. I didn't end up teaching anyone, but I did get my level three and my wife did as well. And I'm really pleased to say that my kids, when they got a bit older, when they were 15 and 16, they also went to Canada and got their ski instructing. Um, so that was really important. So in the height of my career in banking, and I went off and I think everyone thought I was crazy, but it was the best thing that I ever did. We then had kids two years later, um, and I said I was never going to go back into investment banking, and I did. Um, so never say never. And then we were lucky enough to uh, get a very big job that got into a larger job, and then we moved to Hong Kong, then we moved to Tokyo, then we moved to New York, and then we moved to London. So... You know, that's always been a sort of feature. And then now, um, you know, it's interesting. I've just sort of finished the help founding um, with the two co-founders of Afterpay after five years, and I'm now taking some time off again. So, you know, you can have these breaks, but they're about development. Um, they're about learning new things. Um, and so you don't have to have... I think, a career that just runs a normal way in order to be successful. You can do it your own way. Um, but as long as it, you've got, as I said to the original conversation, you know, I've got to very define things about what I want to do and when I want to do it. I just don't have to be on the treadmill all the time. I just have to do it the way that I want to do it. Wow. And wh where do you find such courage to in your heart of in the heart of your career just say look i'm taking two years off to become a ski instructor is it just you kind of block out what everyone else says and do it do what you want to do or yeah i think as i say you know i'll use that whole idea around you know you've got to know what your north star is and you only get one life to live and as long as that you are not selfish around that. But, you know, the other day I was skiing down at Threadbow and Perisher. You know, we're lucky enough to be out of lockdown. And I was skiing with Finn. I was skiing with a couple of other guys. A friend of ours came down from the countryside. And it's one of the things that makes me truly, truly happy. And I can do that for a very long time. So, you know, that's something that is important to me. Um, so the courage comes out of um, just knowing I don't, you just don't have to be defined for, by your job, your job. You're not, I'm not, I'm not David Hancock who worked at, at Citibank or I'm not David Hancock who ran after pay. I'm just me and a family person and I don't want to be defined 
by saying who I, what I do is who I am. Wow. Uh, wow. Um, go, going back as well to you, you travelled Europe, come back and started in the back office and then eventually worked your way up to uh, director. Do you think the corporate ladder has changed from how it used to be and now, uh, from when you went through it to now? And if someone was starting out, do you think it'd be different? Um, listen, I think it's like everything. There are different versions of the same thing. Um, you know, there might be an old classic song that's got a, you know, a different EDM dance speed or something, but it's still got the essential elements. Um, I think hard work, um, honesty, integrity will always be at the forefront. So we have many people, I'm obviously not at Afterpay now, um, but we have many, many people who started out at university. They were, you know, there's one person who I helped to bring into Afterpay. Um, she was in year two. She was doing teaching at study. Um, she started working a couple of days a week at Afterpay. She's now one of the most senior executives in her area, and that's four years on to it. And the reason why she's got there is because of hard work, dedication, honesty, integrity. So I think they're all elements. Um, you know, there are lots of other people I've seen in investment banking that are the smartest people that you'll ever, ever meet. But you know what? They don't know how to work with people. They don't know how to apply themselves. The smarts will only get you so far, but it's those essential bits around, as I say, honesty, integrity, teamwork, and putting yourself you know, not at the centre of everything. And I think a lot of millennials now, and I hate to typecast it, but a lot of millennials make it all about themselves. Um, and I know that you guys and, and women in the millennial have, you know, issues around boomers, but, you know, millennials, you know, also have their own issues around, you know, wanting to get places too quickly as well. Mm. I, I'm definitely culprit of that. I can't act like I'm any different. Uh, and when, when it does come, we've touched on this a little bit, but I think it's something that I definitely take value from. You've mentioned that you, you look for someone that's got a bit of guidance in their life. You also look for someone um, that has truth and honesty at the forefront. Uh, in the people that you've worked with that um, have excelled, are there any other characteristics or when it comes to hiring someone, is it something else that you look for that, has put them above the competition and allows them to excel? Yeah. Um, listen, once again, I, you know, one of the questions that I'd always ask someone in an interview, so things like, you know, is your life a random walk or have you got a destination? I'm not really interested in the actual whether there's a right or wrong, but I'm interested in the ability for someone to talk through that sort of question. The other sort of questions that I'm interested in are, you know, tell me what you're reading. 
you know, that, that tells me whether you're reading a book or a magazine or something online, it gives me an insight into, once again, curiosity. So I think curiosity and demonstrating your ability to be naturally curious into areas and of interest, um, I think that sets people apart from success. Um, I also think that people who understand, you know, at the end of the day, business is all about delivery of goals. And, you know, sometimes you might fail in the goal, but your effort. So I know, Julia, you're a rower. Um, you know, sometimes you're just not going to win. But the most important thing is, did you work well as a team? How did you face the loss? Can you turn that loss into an opportunity? And these are all things. So if you're in a job and you don't get the promotion because you think you get it, how do you actually cope with adversity? So mm. I think the third thing for me is can you demonstrate in an interview your ability to show resilience in the time of difficulty? So, you know, so if things didn't work out, so if you didn't get the mark that you got, well, did you sit down and sulk about it or did you actually turn that into an opportunity of which you can grow and you've got enough self-awareness? So I think the fourth thing for me is demonstrating self-awareness that um, shows your ability to learn and grow. Great. I'm going to ask you after that question, is there something that you're reading at the moment that you could recommend? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm reading a really amazing book at the moment called Doom, and it's by a um, it's it's by Niall Ferguson, who's the professor of economic history at Oxford, and he's talking about um, pandemics and the way that he thinks about um, the way that you know we think that you know at the moment, as an example, COVID has just happened. Well, the reality is, is the world has been full of disasters. It's been full of issues, whether it be in your local environment, whether it be on a global basis. But you know what? We just have to think through that and just plan through it because that's going to happen all the time. So the example is, you know, a year and a half ago, we had bushfires here. They were terrible. We didn't stop. We adapted, we grew, we evolved. You know, you think about um, where the, where the um, Olympics have just been held. You know, they had a terrible tsunami. They had a nuclear issue. But you know what? They've been able to move on to learn and grow and develop. So Noel Ferguson's a really amazing guy. If you want to read something about money and learn a lot about money, he also wrote a book about the ascent of money. And um, the ascent of money is a really amazing book because he takes really complex ideas around money and makes it really easy for people to understand. So that idea that a $100 bill actually represents value, how, does, how did that come about? What does that actually mean? And these lessons actually mean a lot in the age of crypto. So I know a lot of millennials are really interested in crypto and stuff like that. 
you know, the reality is, is that do they actually really represent a store of value and and the ascent of money and the way that Niall Ferguson thinks about it um, can put things into perspective. So I'm reading that. Um, I'm reading a couple of other classics at the moment. Um, I normally have, you know, a whole lot of books on the go. I read lots of every day. I read the Wall Street Journal. I read the FT. I read The Economist, I read Monocle, um, you know, I read a lot of things every day and lots of blogs um, because I just need to, you know, I need to consume data and insights. Wow. I guess you're at a stage now where work isn't, isn't really something that you have to do, but is it that North Star that you mentioned before driving you something in that leadership field that keeps you wanting to work? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a foundation, so we're doing, you know, we keep on, we've always had a philanthropic approach, um, you know, with the family. So, you know, we're fortunate enough to be in a position to be able to keep on giving back. Um, we don't have to pay it for, we can give it back. Um, Finclear, I've probably got another eight or nine other businesses that, uh, are in the background, everything from artificial intelligence for, um, for doctors, for medical, to creating, you know, connecting home chefs um, with people who want home-cooked food with a platform called Food Street. Finclear is now, um, we do about $140 billion worth of um, stock market trades through our platform. Um, so we do about 60% of all ASX transactions now. So we support people like, you know, brands that you guys would know, Superhero, Stake, um, Comsec, um, all of the large brokers. So we've been building a significant infrastructure company over the last five years at the same time that uh, I was heavily involved in it after pay. Um, and it's about that curiosity and it's about that idea about can we build it? Is it something that makes sense? Can it add value to customers? And at the end of the day, is it really, really hard? So the harder something is, the more exciting it becomes because it means that you're exercising your brain, um, uh, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty obvious to me that um, trying to create value um, and teams is something that I really enjoy. So, even though, like, as you know, the guys have just announced a takeover of, of Afterpay by Square, you know, it's something that you feel really proud of that you've been able to help develop other people. Um, and that's the same thrill about building other businesses. So I think I'll always be doing that. It's not about the money. Yeah, I think uh, I think we got you on at a very topical time and with all this happening and I'm cautious of time as well. So I guess just to, just to wrap it up, bringing you back to if you were a uni student or if you had, if you were to do the process again, is is it something that you would? What is the advice that you would employ um, at this day and age to really excel and succeed? And 
whatever that may be in, in well in life or when it comes to wealth or your business and whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things. One, I probably would have started my own businesses quick sooner. Um, and I probably just, so I, I really in one way envy the opportunity that's in front of, you know, Finn and Archie and what's in front of you. Um, you know, I think that I don't have any regrets, but I definitely would do things. I, I probably would try and seize the opportunity about creating own businesses sooner rather than later. So I love, um, you know, as an example about what you're doing with um, your podcast here, just get out there, go do it. If it doesn't work, put a bullet in it. Um, so, you know, fail fast. So I love that idea about failing fast, but I also do like that idea about, and I probably should have done it more quicker, which is um, if I've got a good idea and I think that it's got merit, I should just go and do it pretty quickly. I'm definitely going to take that on board. David, uh, it's been such a, such an honor. I've definitely taken a lot lot from this, even though we've had to film it in multiple sessions. And I really hope my audience can help, can uh, take take from this as well. And thanks so much for your time, and all the best on future endeavors. Okay, talk soon, and best of luck. Okay, cheers. Thanks for that.